Napa know-how. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Welcome to Power Trader Radio's Trade Talk, the show designed exclusively for the savvy stock trader or investor of today. With the latest market analysis and strategies, stock market tips and tricks, investments with options and spread trades, near report, news, events, analysis, and research, we put it together for you. Hosted by Andy Peterson and Mark Eli. And now here are your co-hosts, Andy Peterson. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Andy Peterson. This is episode 121 of Power Trader Radio. And we're putting the fun in fundamentals, fundamental analysis. This is fundamental analysis part two. Uh, you can go ahead and phone in with your questions on fundamental analysis or anything else related to stocks and options trading at 914-338-1702. That number again, 914-338-1702. I only have one guest today. Uh, usually people are clamoring to get on this show, uh, but we only have one guest today, and that's Mark <laughs> Eli. Hey, Mark, how's it going? Uh, great, Andy. Live from Chicago in March 28th, Wednesday, 2018. And there's snow in the forecast. Can you believe it? <sighs> Yeah, I can believe it because I've been living through winter for the last six months, I think. And um, as somebody who loves to see the sun but forgot what it looked like, I long for, you know, some warmer temperatures. And I'm sure you're the same way. Right, I am. It's just not uh, something looking, you get used to. Looking to the run. So speaking yes. of running, you uh, you lined up a nice show for us today. What, what's in the I, queue? Oh, thank you very much. Well, I'm just basically piggybacking off of our success from last week's show, which was uh, part one of fundamental uh, analysis. And we were looking at various indicators. Uh, we looked at market cap and uh, PE ratio, peg ratio, profit margin, return on equity. Lots yeah, of okay. fundamental indicators that show you um, whether or not a uh, stock is what direction it's going. And so we have a lot of news in, in, um, to talk about as well, but we have several additional fundamental market indicators that, um, that we would like to cover as well. Um, and the reason why we do this is because um, this is what ARI does. ARI covers, it's our analysis research index, and it covers all the fundamental indicators. And what does it do with them? What, is it, what does uh, ARI do with all the fundamental indicators, Mark? Uh, that's a great question. So the uh, Ari goes through and breaks into uh, analysis in three different areas. And, and like Andy is bringing up, fundamental analysis is the topic at this show right now. And it goes in and, and looks at the old balance sheets and, and, and actually pulls out all that information and uses um, general accepted counting principles to go ahead and gauge how uh, the underlying performance of that company is doing fundamentally by its ability to take in money, spend that money, use that money as a, as a, a company. 
and and then right. investors are very interested in that because they want to see can this company make money from my money and that's the ultimate question if you can take money and 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 make more money out of it then you're that's a company you want to invest in that's the fundamental definition and uh that's completely different than technical analysis where you're looking at uh charts and uh, technical patterns and you know past performance and you're l- using RSI, EMAs, MACDs, uh, slow, uh, slow stochastics. You're using all these different um, uh, measurements to go ahead and get a sense of how you're going to trade that stock. Right. So. Right. And so the first fundamental indicator that I wanted to talk about in this second segment is called the beta, and. The beta is kind of interesting as I was reviewing it, and as as Ari uh, describes it, it's uh, it's it's essentially also considered to be a part of sentimental analysis. And the reason for this is because it measures the market risk or the volatility of a particular stock. So it takes a look at your you need to take a look at your comfort zone when it comes to risk and figure out whether or not this beta score falls within your risk comfort zone. And so you know, you take a look, it doesn't really tell us much about the company's strengths or weaknesses within its own particular industry, but it it tells us how it reacts with regards to the S&P 500 as a whole. So like the S&P 500, we assign it, Ari assigns it a beta score of one. And so if if a stock has a score higher than one, then it's more volatile than the S&P as a whole and therefore more risky. And so Mark, the question that I had for you is, you know, we, we talk a lot about the VIX, and if you go to SIBO, they've got the VIX, index, and they're always talking about the volatility index. So we've got beta, which is a measure of volatility, and we've got VIX, the VIX, which is a measure of volatility. What are the similarities and differences between the two of those? You know, that's a fantastic question. And, Andy, you already jumped ahead in light years, and you processed in an advanced you took an advanced definition of beta, and you just got to the end of the chapter. You just told us all the listeners what the end result is. Because we have 30 minutes uh, per show. (laughs) But the beginning of that is simply beta is simply you take the S&P performance. So if I took my Uh money and I invested in the S&P 500 and I uh, looked at the performance of that at the end of the year, uh, if I let, let's say the S&P 500 went up 10% in the year, you take uh, that as an ROI, one zero, and you divide that, uh, so that's the top number in your division, and you divide uh-huh. it by the performance of the underlying stock. So let's say you have a stock that performed uh, 20% in a year, right? So you got 0.10 right. divided by 0.20. What what are okay. you going to get as a number? You're going to get a you're going to get 0. 0.5. It's, it's it, you're right. going to get uh, you're going to get a, a a smaller number than one, and that means mm-hmm. that company did twice as good as the S and P 500. So if right. you let's take another company that uh, performed horribly. So you've got 0. 0.1 as the top number, and you've got let's say this company did one uh, percent. So you divide 1% into 10%, and you're going to get a number of uh, 100. You're going to get this huge number, way over 1. So the higher up that number goes, the worse that company uh, has done in performance. Now, like you said, you hit the nail on the head. The end result is that's volatile. 
we it, it's not a, it's it's a very poorly performing company it doesn't have the faith of the investors so if you invest in it you're it's you're getting ready for a volatile shakeup you know you're throwing your money to risk and and right. the investors interpret that as as volatility now vix the vix on the other hand is volatility in the entire market it's not looking at that one stock it's taking the entire market measuring it and saying hey what is the faith of the investor in general gotcha. are they investing in options stocks securities are they going to are they going to cash where where are they putting their money so it's a very good that's a very good comparison and you lined it up beautifully um i really yeah. enjoyed that question well, and the reason why I asked it uh, and the reason why Ari looks at it is because, you know, it takes a big picture of every stock. And, you know, I was looking at uh, some news on Tesla today. And so I ran Ari against Tesla. Um, and there's a lot of bears out there on Tesla. And they have an earnings report coming up in one month. Ari gives Tesla a score of 11.44, which <laughs> is pretty low when it comes to a total Ari score that you can get of 30. And the fundamental score is 3.83 out of a possible 10. But for the beta, it lists it as 0.78. So as far as the beta is concerned, it is less than the volatility of, uh, of the S&P 500. I thought that was kind of an interesting tie-in. You know, Andy, I, I, as it speaks with Tesla, one of the big things that they made was they launched a Tesla into space. And... Uh, it, it made a lot of controversy over that, and one of them being space junk. Its contribution to space junk, and, right. and this 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 uh, Tesla is headed towards Mars. Now, I find that funny because we've been listening to Elon Musk predict by 2025 that he is going to be landing on Mars, and I right. figured, well, he's going to get there one way or another, even if it's yeah. by a Tesla car. Yeah, we sent a monkey first into space, and he's going to send a car first to Mars. And so, you know, we kind of have to have these test drives, so to speak, in order to make sure that, you know, we get there safely. Isn't that right? Amen to that. <laughs> but, um, all right. All right, so that's the beta. I'm going to skip current ratio for now. That's kind of not on my list next. I want to talk a little bit about volume because we've been talking about that a lot in the past. Um as far as particular trades are concerned on this radio program and volume is all it is. It's the number of shares that have been traded per day. And then it's averaged over some time period. Usually it's a year. However, you can have a three month, uh, even a 10 day average volume uh, indicator. And so we were looking, Ari likes to make sure actually Ari likes it to have over 1 million in volume. Um, And uh, we like to look at anything over 750,000 in volume whenever we're doing our options trading. So that seems like a high volume. I was wondering, Mark, um, what do you think some of the risks are, one of the, uh, some of the reasons to think twice about investing in low-volume stocks? Yeah, it's a great, another great question. You, the market is built up of buyers and sellers, and you just want to make sure that if you own something, there's somebody to sell it to when you want to. And, mm-hmm. and if you're in a market where, let's say, there's only a volume of one, well, let's just make it ridiculous, that would be you. And, right. and there is nobody else. So uh, whenever you have a daily volume, like you were just mentioning, of over a million, then you've got 999,999 999, uh, other 
uh, people who are interested in it. So it's a buyer's and seller's market. It's, 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 a, it's a healthy market. It's very saturated with um, different ideas and different positions. Mm-hmm. And, and therefore, you got uh, contrast between those two. There is an old Mickey Mouse, uh, excuse me, old Disney uh, cartoon with Mickey Mouse that was illustrating uh, traffic a- a- about um, contrast. And it was showing all these cars, and it was Mickey Mouse driving down the street in this car, and he was fighting traffic, and there was always opposing traffic. And and then all of a sudden, the next scene was all the traffic was going in one direction, all of it. And, and here's Mickey Mouse uh, passing happily down the other lane, and he's thinking he's got the road wide open until finally at the last moment somebody in the other direction's got the same idea and they're coming head on towards them. So the point is is that that you needed that opposition for more collision and the more opposition you have, the more collision there can be. And that's where that collision is where we the traders we trade at. We trade in that collision. We're making money from that contrast. We need somebody to disagree with us in order for us to make money. I gotcha. And so I'm kind of interesting that you would bring up an analogy in dealing with cars again. There, You are in no way um, trying to compare and contrast the differences between, say, Disney and Tesla, are you? Or Mickey Mouse and, you know, any particular individual. <laughs> you know, you would want to make sure. You got that keen mind. You you actually are now picking up patterns uh, very uh, – I am. You know, I'm doing I'm you doing are, you're, technical you're analysis, and now I'm starting to see these patterns in your conversation. I'm thinking, what is Mark really thinking here? <laughs> you know, we could. I, it could be that I like the the soundtrack from the Cars. You know. Yeah. Oh, we could do that. Yeah. Well, I don't know <laughs> if uh, Disney is a competitor to Tesla, but you know, back to back to that whole. There's you know, Ford and GM. They're all doing their. Uh, you know, they're, uh, they're all competing with Tesla now. So. Um, yeah, I totally get um, that. Now, there's almost 21 million um, uh, volume for um, for the Tesla stock right now. So there is no concern really with low volume when it comes to because we look right. at greater than 1 million. We got 21 million when it comes to Tesla stock. Very, uh, very high volume on that. Um, how much time do we have left for our sh- uh, before our break? Looks like we got about a minute. So what I can do is um, let's talk a little bit about the percent held by insiders. Um, this is a good fundamental indicator. Uh, mm-hmm. And the reason for this is, I mean, it's obvious why, right? Um, if employees, insiders essentially are individuals who own the stock of the company they work for. So if an employee is holding a stock, it seems a reason that it's because they believe in the company that they work for, although there could be other reasons as well. And we can do is we can talk a little bit about those uh, after the break. Take a quick look here. And I think your mic is breaking there. You're you're, uh, really? you're going in and out, in and out. So um, yeah, okay. I think your mic is coming loose. Yeah, it's a good break for our commercial, and we'll be right back. <clears throat> oh, great and powerful wizard! Tell me how I can make money. How dare you approach the great and powerful wizard? Not getting what you want from other investment wizards or advisors? Have you ever heard of options trading or spread trading? 
Have you not tried it because you don't know how? Look no further. Trade Caddy has the tools and education that can empower anyone like a professional. Their options chain wizard makes options trading simple, easy, and more profitable. Find out more by going to tradecaddy.com. Tuesday night trades. Sit back and grab trades that are too hot to handle. Find out more at tradecaddy.com. Are you ready? You're listening to Trade Talk on PowerTraderRadio.com. And we're back. And Andy, are you with us? And Andy is uh, having technical difficulties with his headset. Um, While he's uh, getting that set up, I'll go ahead and pick up from where he left off. He was talking about percent held by insiders. Um, this is this is a very important analysis uh, as a fundamental analysis because what it requires is that insiders believe in the company itself. And if insiders don't believe in the company, then uh, that's a concern to investors, especially um, smart money investors. Hey. We're going to get in. Yeah. Hey, Andy. So <laughs> I, I was... I was picking up from where you uh, left off, where where the percent side held by insiders is is a concern by uh, investors because if the insiders of a company don't believe in the company, then investors won't. And right. it's kind of ironic because if you look at Apple, uh, you would you would think that uh, Apple would have a lot of insiders in there, but Apple is such a huge company that its percent held by insiders is only 1.48% of all the stock out there. And that's mm-hmm. kind of a mis uh, you know, if you you look at the the market share of of Apple, you're talking at a number in the uh is it is it um it's a billions uh, almost a, almost a trillion dollars. It's getting wow. close to a trillion. It's I think yeah. it's 844 billion. I'm not sure, but it's it's a ridiculous number. Yeah, so. yeah. And I'm looking again, and I'm not picking on Tesla any more than what we already have been. But since I pulled it up on Ari, it has, and I've heard a lot about Tesla, and about Elon um, investing in his employees as much as he does in his products. And um, would you like to take a guess, Mark, at the um, percent held by insiders for um, for Tesla? Uh, probably eight percent. I'm guessing twenty five percent. Wow, that That's... sounds like quite a bit. You know, and he... go ahead. Oh no, I I just um, there was a uh, von Braun, the rocket mm-hmm. uh, engineer for the Saturn V. He wrote a book, and in the book that he wrote was the blueprints for how we would get to Mars. And in that book, he wrote about a council called Elon. And, right. and a lot of people think that is almost a prophecy of, of Elon Musk. 
So they've they've taken this as like he is the guy who is predicted by the science guru of space exploration um, to (laughs) lead us there. So. Yeah, well, everybody's been, um, you know, w- with regards to Tesla, that is kind of like um, the darling of a lot of investors. And I'm taking a look once again at the sentimental analysis um, score for Ari that Ari gives for Tesla. And it's the, it's higher than the technical, it's higher than the fundamental, but it's still only 5.61, which is just above average. And so I don't know um, historically if that has dropped over the past couple of weeks or how exactly that's worked. I haven't looked into that, um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think that there is almost some sort of like angelic aura around him, and <laughs> as well, he's an angel investor, and so I guess that would kind of apply. Mm-hmm. Um, and yes, yeah, thank you. And so people are really um, kind of looking to him to be the guy who, and he has, he has come through at the end. You know, people think that, you know, he's not going to do what he promised or deliver on his uh, or execute on his promises. Um, and he ends up um, satisfying, surprising and uh, making uh, his investors happy at the end. And so they've got a, you know, they've got that um, make or break, basically, uh, earnings report coming out next month. So it should all be very interesting. Um, and so another fundamental indicator that is, I guess, similar in a way to the percent held by insiders. And that is the percent held by institutions. And when you hear that percent held by institutions, it's also usually accompanied by uh, considered to be where the smart money is. And so why do they consider that smart money? What are these institutions and, uh, and how does that all play out as far as this being a a fundamental indicator? That's a great, another great question. If you're a, uh, an investor who has a broker, you're most likely invested in mutual funds, annuities, and some sort of uh, fund. In those mutual funds and those annuities, uh, they have these think tanks where these investors, uh, those brokers being the investors that represent your money, are doing analysis and research. They're grabbing the prospectus of the companies. They're going through the fundamental analysis. They're making decisions on this company and they're taking large amounts of money, all these other people's money and they're investing it. So like a Kemper fund or a a fidelity uh, fund, or, you know, there's all these different funds, uh, a high yield fund or overseas fund or a tech fund or whatever you have, they dump large amounts of money all at one time. So if imagine you've got fidelity, who's one of the biggest players out there and they fidelity decides to pull out of a small, a small cap, which is uh, got low volume, but has its largest amount and it's held by the insider in a blink of an eye, one company can change the market all at one time. But usually that they don't, they're not going to do that because there's certain restrictions on how they can do certain things. So uh, the point being the institutions spend a lot of money and a lot of time doing research, investing in the company. And if those guys with those good minds and good research can get, believe in this company, then it's pretty safe for you to. So the higher you see held by in, uh, institutions, the more uh, intelligence that has gone into that and believes that same thing. So if you get a percent held by institutions is a lower than 50%, that means those guys with smart money with big uh, are think it's too much of a risk and they're going to 
uh, not put their faith into that uh, company. Now, not that I've looked, uh, done a lot of in-depth research, but I haven't seen, to my knowledge, um, too many um, uh, stocks that have had less than 50% held by institutions. Tesla uh, has 61% held by institutions. And if you combine that with the 26% held by insiders, that's a total of 87%, which leaves 13% left over. Who who is investing? Who's who are the stockholders in that other thirteen percent mark? Are those guys like you and me? Well, you, uh, stocks are divided into treasury shares and uh, and issued shares, and there's so there there's um, shares within its own company, and where the company will call back certain shares, and and will hold them as treasury, so as incentives to employees and stuff. Yet they're still listed as available shares because they're 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 in a bank, if you will held by that company, our company may have been shorting those shares and, and have them uh, up in uh, liability and stuff. But, it, you know, that's a, another great uh, segment for another show in the future is where those different classes of where those missing shares are. And mm-hmm. um, I think that's it's, it's, a, it's the idea, if you just walk away knowing that uh, you've got treasury shares and those treasury shares are shares that are being held that are not owned by the company per se, uh, or they kind of are, um, but they're at the discretion of a, a controlling body to see, uh, usually it's the board of directors to see how that those shares are going to be uh, distributed. Gotcha. And so between these two shows, um, you know, there's a total of 18 fundamental indicators that we look at and that we give a score for, and then we weigh into, I think, seven different fundamental score weights and, uh, um, and so we're nearing the end of those. We got a couple few minutes left, uh, left of this show, and I wanted to go over just one more, uh, which will give us just about a pretty well-rounded um, idea of the fundamental indicators, what makes up fundamental analysis. And so the last one that I wanted to talk about uh, was dividends. And, you know, there are com- there are um, companies that pay out dividends are companies that don't uh, the companies that do pay out dividends. Typically there's no guarantee that they will pay out dividends next time, but there are exceptions to that. Um, basically the dividend is the yield that a company pays out to its shareholders. And again, it's not a guarantee of future payouts and it's calculated by uh, the dividend yield uh, is calculated by taking the amount of dividends paid per share over the course of a year. So, um, let's say that you have a stock trading at $40, and if it pays out $2 in dividends, then the dividend yield is 5%. And so it's, um, uh, that's how the dividend yield is calculated. So it's dividing it by the stock's price um, to get the dividend yield. So you take the stock payout, divide it by the stock's price, and you get your dividend yield. So, Mark, do you have any uh, stocks that pay out a dividend, and, any, and are any of those stock dividends guaranteed by that company? I, I, love, I love trading dividend stocks because I consider that my, uh, a low-risk trade, and, and there's no guarantees of anything, but, the, uh, but what we do as investors is we actually use uh, the – uh, historic performance as an indicator of how it's going to do in this. Uh, there is a, um, a, a company who has a track record of, you know, 10 years paying dividends and never missing a dividend payment has a high degree of confidence that this is going to, it's going to continue to do that. I own 
uh, several companies, AGNC, one of my favorite ones, which is American Royalty. Uh, it's, a, it's a REIT. Um, it's a company that goes out and buys uh, real estate and turns around and rents it back to the government. And its um, vulnerability is the government's ability to pay its rent or uh, its leases or whatever. But the thought process is that government does things in long term. And, and therefore, when they do a, a buy a contract or you rent a, a contract on a piece of real estate, that it's a, it's a five-year, 10-year uh, commitment. And therefore, it, it's different than a, an average retailer who might change every year. You, you don't have a high degree of confidence. The question is, does the government have the ability to make that payment? So uh, if, if you like REITs, uh, REITs is a, a, a very interesting thing because REITs have by law to pay out 90% of their gross uh, net proceeds because um, they they're getting a tax benefit themselves in order to be listed as a REIT. They have to do that. So uh, if you look at the fundamental analysis, Andy, that was a real good lineup. AGNC. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Uh, Only a minute and a half left of the show, but I'm going to go ahead and uh, close up AGNC by simply saying, you know, it's, it's got a horrible fundamental analysis. I've been investing it for a long time, knowing it has a horrible – it pays you know, a pretty much close to 15% uh, ROI. It's been paying at least 10% over, um, sub, I think, 10 years. So I, I like that company a lot. But PBT is another one. Uh, yeah, it's, and, a, it's and an oil reef. It's, it's something that I consider when I'm doing covered calls because a lot of times I don't necessarily want to get rid of the stock. And so if I'm shorting uh, the call and I lose the stock, uh, I have to sell the stock, I lose the dividend on it as well. And so that is certainly um, a consideration uh, when you're doing your covered calls or when you're shorting stocks is, you know, this, the dividend yield. Uh, you want to make sure you want to preserve that if you can. Um, and so, yeah, uh, Mark, you're 100% correct. We are 50 seconds uh, left in the show. Just wanted to point everybody to tradecaddy.com or follow us at tradecaddy on Twitter, because on Facebook, uh, we do polls, we do quizzes, we do um, specials um, to, you know, if you if you have a question for this radio show, please um, submit it to us via the uh, Facebook or Twitter. And a lot of times if we air your question on the show, then we give you a free bundle package for one month. This week, we're giving away um, Trade Caddy Education, Trade Caddy Double Eagle Light, and Trade Caddy's, um, oh, uh, the uh, Rangefinder Reports, all for free. It's like a $97 value for one month. So uh, post your questions. If we use them on the air, we're good to go. This is Power Trader Radio. I'm not the power. 